In today's special Behind the Ministry episode, Pastor Hoss Ridgeway and I start the unpacking process for Matthew chapter 12. We notice a beautiful parallel here between another New Testament book of the Bible and also recognize a wonderful harmony in the Trinity itself. All of this from the unpacking of Matthew chapter 12. We're going to start with chapter 12 and verse 1, and I'll be reading from the NIV, and I'll be wearing these glasses. So the uh, Juan when, uh, said that I looked young, and now <laughs> I don't. So now, now I look my age, and so we're going to get started. Okay, at the yes. time Jesus went through uh, the grain fields on the Sabbath. Now on the Sabbath is, is the most important piece to understanding this discussion. Remember, the Pharisees, I was watching a video from David Platt last night, um, the Pharisees on the Sabbath were extremely legalistic. So um, they had it down to a science. He was talking about last night was uh, how they that they said you can only travel so much mm-hmm. on the Sabbath day, and they had come up with a number of like three thousand feet or three thousand yards or something cubits. I don't know. What <laughs> Sorry, that was a bad joke. But forty cubits in a span is the amount. Yeah, of the right. Yeah, Pam, you're right. It was like Professor Haas. Okay, so basically, <laughs> but they said if you had, you could travel that far for food and you still hadn't traveled. So if you planned your, your meals right, you could travel great distances by planting food along the way. So they were very legalistic. They said you yeah. can't carry a load, like you can't carry your clothes, but if you're wearing them, it's not a load. So you can't get up from your seat and carry your jacket across the room. You got to put it on. And then care, then get up out of here. It's just a, it was it was really crazy. So here he is on the Sabbath, um, and his disciples were hungry and began to pick some heads of grain and eat them. So harvesting is against the the, the law of the Sabbath, right? Right. And he says, and when the Pharisees saw this, they said to him, Look, your disciples are doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath. And then he gave a pretty interesting answer. He answered. Haven't you read what David did when he and his companions were hungry? Now, this is an Old Testament reference here um, about when, um, you know, David was hungry with his mighty men and they took the showbread, which was meant for the priests to eat, and, and they ate it on the Sabbath day. Now, watch, he says this. He entered the house of God, and he and his companions ate the consecrated bread, which was not lawful for them to do, but only for the priest. Or haven't you read the law that on the Sabbath the priest in the temple desecrate the day? Are are they not innocent? I tell you that one greater than the temple is here. What does that mean? Hmm. (laughs) Jesus is greater than the temple. Absolutely. He's saying, I'm God, right? And he's like, someone greater than the temple is is here. Hmm. If you had known what these words mean, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. Which, man, that that is such a heavy phrase that we're going to unpack here in just a minute. You would not have condemned the innocent for the Son of Man, referring to himself, is the Lord of the Sabbath. Isn't this beautiful how he takes... And he points out that he's both God and man at one time when he says, I'm Lord of the Sabbath. Absolutely. It just really uh, intrigues me to this. And it says, going from that place, he went to their synagogue, and a man with a shriveled hand was there looking for a reason to accuse Jesus. They asked him, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? (laughs) You know, they're like, trick question. And he said to them, if any of you has uh, sheep and it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, do you not take hold of it and lift it out? 
How much more valuable is a man than sheep? Therefore, it is lawful to do what is good on the Sabbath. And then he said to the man, stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out, and it was completely restored, just as sound as the other. But the Pharisees went out, and they plotted to kill Jesus. <laughs> that's, I think that's just a weird transition. It's like he does really amazing things, and then they plot to kill him. I was reading this. This book here is uh, Wearsby's Expository Outlines on the New Testament. So Warren Wearsby is a commentator, uh, passed away, I think, last year. So, um, yeah, he did. I, I just told spoiler you. Alert, spoiler alert. My goodness. You, got, you can't just, like, drop that Lord. out there. I know. So listen to what he says here. He says, the Sabbath was dear to the Jews since it was God's special covenant uh, to the nation. However, the religious leaders had turned this day of spiritual blessing and joy into a day of legal observances. And the rules made their Sabbath a burden, not a blessing. So it is a blessing to rest, right? I mean, it is is a powerful thing. I was reading one time several years ago about how um, if you bought like the same pair of shoes, you bought two pair exactly alike. I hope my wife's listening. That's why I buy two pair of everything. Okay. But no, that's <laughs> terrible. She says I'm just obsessed. Okay. So if you buy two pairs of everything, um, yeah, you're right. Uh, Kyle says, or wait, Kylie. Sorry, Kylie. It's too far away. I need my glasses. Mm. It says people do crazy things when they feel threatened. Right? And it's so true. But, um, if you buy two pairs of the same thing, like so you, you buy pairs of pairs, pairs of pairs, right? So you buy a pair squared. Yeah, if you buy shoes squared, okay, square toe <laughs> shoes, okay, that's what I'm saying. Uh, square, buy, square pair, right? I got it. Okay. So if you buy Enough two pair of shoes and you and you rotate them, they will last longer, not just because you're only using them every other day, but because they rest. Like even material needs rest. Yeah, uh, and and we need rest. And we, how many westerns have you seen? You like old westerns? Oh my goodness! How many times I, they I reenact them? They yeah, right. <laughs> they ride a horse uh, if they're running to go, and they're they bring one with them that they're not riding. And, yeah, and they keep riding until that horse just falls over, and they get on the next one. The horse has to rest. It's not they don't they don't have infinite um, ability and power. You know, uh, your car has to rest. You keep running it. The more miles you put on the car the more problems you're going to have with it. And rest is important. It's a blessing. And they turn what was a blessing into a curse to the people where nobody could do what was right. It was like they wouldn't take a bath on Sabbath, afraid to spill water on the floor, because wiping it up would be cleaning. Wow. So basically they had this anything with an I-N-G, tying, untying, you know, whatever. <laughs> if it had an ING, you can't do it. You couldn't do it. And he's like, uh, can you not lift food to your mouth? And that's all that the disciples were doing. They, I mean, they picked, so it's kind of a harvest, but harvest means that you're working and laboring all day. They're just grabbing a little bit of grain and putting it in the mouth in the gleaning, which was legal in the Old Testament law. And so um, he, he used... His, the, the word of God to combat them. He said, um, he referred them to David. It's 1 Samuel chapter 21, which is the story where David goes in to, to get the showbread. Uh, he hungered on the Sabbath and ate the sacred showbread, or shoebread, however you want to say that, uh, from the tabernacle. And at the time, David was uh, a rejected king. Uh, that'll preach. Mm-hmm. 
um, just as Jesus was, but he had not yet been crowned. Christ also referred to the law, Numbers 28, verses 9 through 10, which permitted the priests to labor on the Sabbath and offer sacrifices. And when I was a kid, nobody could work on Sunday. I remember everything was closed. Now only Chick-fil-A and Hobby Lobby are closed. Right. But on, on Sabbath, you couldn't, Sunday was like a Christian Sabbath. And nobody could go to work, you know, uh, but the preacher worked. Well, that's right. We're going to talk about that? No. <laughs> okay. So the priest, the priest. Well, and that's the thing. I mean, I was thinking about that, like professional ministry, what that involves. And what a lot of people don't realize is so much of it takes place in the off hours. Right. Saturdays, Sundays, all day. Forget it. Yes. I mean, especially if, I mean, when you're presenting the message and presenting the gospel sure. and life is coming to surface and the moment of activity, someone's like, oh, I realize I am the sheep that's in the ditch. Yeah. How? I mean, that's, I don't know. Is that fair to ask how often that happens? Yeah, do, I mean, do I drive to the hospital to visit you when you're uh, in the hospital on a Saturday or a Sunday? Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Because what if, if a sheep is in the ditch, you're going to save it. If, if a brother's in need, you're going to help them. If they're, if the... If someone's house is on fire, can you carry water to put it out on Sabbath? They'd be like, uh, mm. that was on Sunday or Friday. We could have helped you. Burn, right? <laughs> so the whole point, right, you can let it go. You know, it's like, <laughs> oh, but he broke the Sabbath because he started a fire. Right. He's burning his house. That's shame on you. Why would you? You see what I'm saying? Like, how crazy can you get? The point is that, that God didn't create, um, what, what, what's the phrase? Is He didn't create Sabbath for man. He yeah, he didn't, yeah, he didn't create he did not create the Sabbath for man, or man for the Sabbath, but the Sabbath for man. Right. Meaning that we do not serve the, the Sabbath. No. The Sabbath is a service to us. Right. And so basically he's saying, look, um, I, I'm interested in the heart. The heart of it all, not not just the actions. Like it's, it's one thing to say, you know, the Pharisees were all about getting it all done on the outside. You know, that's one of the woes that he gives me. He's like, you clean the outside of the cup, but the inside of the cup is still dirty. He's like, you've missed the whole point. And that's what he's saying. It's not someone's hunger more important than the Sabbath. It's not someone's shriveled hand more important to heal on the than the Sabbath being observed. That That's the whole point of what he's trying to say. And, he, and so the first point if I'm going to make this in, in the sermon on Sunday is that he's the Lord of the Sabbath. He's he's the creator of the Sabbath. It's kind of like um, we both have daughters around the same age so true. and um, <laughs> if they date uh, a fellow comes by and says I would like to take your daughter out on a date and that's when we show them our knife and gun collection. <laughs> right? right? And then, and then we, we say to them, I want you home at 9.30 because nothing good happens after 9.30. That's true. And um, they, then, then on the way home, uh, they call or text and say, Dad, uh, can, can, can we make a 10? Uh, the the yo frozen yogurt place is still open. We're just going to get frozen yogurt and come home. And then you make a decision or I make a decision. Okay, yeah, but 10 o'clock is the latest. Who's the only person that can change that rule? Right. The one who made, made it. Yeah. Jesus is saying, I'm the Lord of this. I'm the creator of this. I understand it more than you. And so when I, I'm the Lord of the Sabbath, I'm the Lord of the, the heart of it all. Right. And he came through the Sermon on the Mount and his life showed everyone the heart of it all. The heart of uh, the, the, um, the spirit of the law is love. And, and, you, and you can't escape it. 
And so that that's what I, I see is pretty powerful. Why, why did the Pharisees want to kill Jesus because he did these things? Because he was he was going to uproot all of their like their control and their their power. What are you laughing about? What are you thinking? Just the their plans. They did so. It says you know how they might destroy him, right? Um, and it's funny because he does miracles. He does a creative act. Yeah. And they're like, how can we uncreate him? <laughs> yeah. And the same thing happens with John, or not John, uh, Lazarus. Thinking in John. When Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead, the first thing they do is go out and say, how can we kill this guy? Yeah. And I'm like, did, did you watch what, <laughs> what just happened? Like, you're literally going to kill a guy who can raise the dead? Somehow, I got a feeling like it ain't going to work. No, but <laughs> you know? that it's not going to go well for you. Yeah. What should we do to this Jesus who's healing people on the Sabbath? I know. We should cut off his hands. Like. <laughs> Oh, wait, but he can fix that. Right. <laughs> what else can we do? Yeah. Uh, and yeah, I, it's it's that kind of stuff that just cracks me up. I mean, when you're dealing with a guy like this and the fact that they can't realize how incapable they are of doing anything to stop him, but they're trying to come up with a roadblock, with some kind of inconvenience, with some way to maliciously attack or harm him. But when you're dealing with a, with a person who's who can create ex nihilo out of nothing. Right. You got big issues. Yeah. I mean, here's the, the, the word of, of God becoming flesh. The word that said, let there be light when there wasn't a sun, moon or stars. Right. You know, which people have a hard time with. They're like, Oh, well he didn't even create the sun yet. And, and then, then if you get into a little special vessel and go deep, deep down in the sea, they have fish that create their own light. Exactly. <laughs> you know, Things that we don't understand are because we don't have a context or, or an example for it, we think it doesn't exist. Because right. obviously we know everything that exists, right? Yeah. Oh, so, come on. So, yeah, right. Exactly. I'm, I'm, that was a uh, sarcastic, yeah. So, here, uh, so Bell says uh, we are quick uh, to dismiss instead of learning from it. Oh, that is so true. Um, <laughs> We try to eliminate what scares us. She makes a really good point in that, you know, they they, they were afraid of it, you know, and, and our fear drives so many things. Like we live in a culture right now that um, that puts phobia on the end of everything, right? We know that. Absolutely, yeah. Well, everything has to have a label today. Right. But but then again, what, what we're afraid of and we don't understand, it, we, want, we want it gone. Like a giant spider in my room, I want a dead. So, because <laughs> that's that a reasonable phobia. Some yeah. of those suckers are poisonous, and the rest of them are just creepy. They're really creepy. Yeah, it's like eight <laughs> legs. That's just weird. You know, I got two. You know, I'm not. I'm not as fast as something with eight legs. Okay. So, so what's really interesting to me here is that the guy with the um, shriveled hand. If you go back and you read Leviticus, you know the part of the Bible that nobody likes to read um, during their yearly thing I saw someone said it's uh, it's only February and I made it through Leviticus <laughs> they were excited you know um, one of the things that you can't do is enter into the temple if you have a shriveled hand you know the synagogues are not in the Old Testament right so they're, oh, they're you going you gonna turn oh, this on right now because yeah. I already you so did this to me last week they, they <laughs> can only go into the they can only go into these little offshoots mm. these synagogues these places where they read the word so they're getting 
a form of their religion that is being controlled by the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the this is the Nazis or whatever, the Nazis. Okay, so <laughs> then they can't go into the temple, right? But he just made it so he he was now worthy. And and the Pharisees like to have a lot of non-worthy people to follow them. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And and so what what was beautiful is he's just saying, listen, people are more important. Now, not that the law is bad and that we shouldn't follow it, but people are more important. It, it's it's you know I, I don't want to get too far off on a rabbit trail here, but he he basically he just said man man was created. Yeah. And everything I do is is to for them for joy and for for them to be complete, you know. And and here, when you can, you can go back to Genesis and you can look at the setting of the stage, right? What I call the context, the environment, whatever that means. I I always think of theater, right? Um, <clears throat> meaning, no, not really. Well, well, in situation, yeah. Uh, well, I do. You think like a director, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, part of the story is the setting. Mm. Um, and I know many times when you're doing that, you know, you have to understand the setting um, in order to understand it's as much of the story as anything is. And when you look at the, the creation, as God is, is going through the act of creation, it's all coming to the place where he creates man. You know, so the entire environment was set up to establish a relationship between God and man where they can meet in this very special, what I'm going to call sacred, because it's set apart. Mm-hmm. It's a place that God has created. So it's um, an incubator, if you will. So God created an incubator for a relationship that he can develop between God and man. And the world is created around that. And so when God is speaking to man and he's giving out all this law and everything, the whole point of it is understand the context of the environment because this is the relationship point that I want to meet with you. And then we want to take that and use that as a roadblock. And I know I just went like really heady, but I mean, that's what we do. We take what has been created to establish a relationship between us and God, and we put that in between us and God. Yeah. But God can't love me unless I do all this right. Yes. Yes. And, and, And we've missed... You know, like, and I'm kind of holding back here because I mean, I think we could take this way deep. Like, honestly, the the philosophical presentation that takes place here, you could write a doctrinal dissertation on. You <laughs> yeah. really could. The Lord of the Sabbath could be a whole book in itself, right? But I'm very concerned on a Sunday morning about what I call the pew user, right? Right. Like when I read this story and I'm trying to understand how Jesus is dealing with the law. Does that affect the individual on their day-to-day lifestyle? And how do we help people by establishing right practice that inspires relationship, not one that hampers sure. relationship? This is not meant to be um, weights tied around your ankle. No, no. It's meant to be... Uh, man, almost like a hubby, hoverboard to get you to God. Yeah, it, Not a. The, what, what was the, the New Testament refers to the old law as a schoolmaster, you know, to to bring you yeah. to Jesus, right? <laughs> I've quoted this like three times in the last week talking to people. Right. It's the schoolmaster that brings us to Christ. Mm-hmm. That's its job, yeah. 
and, and I heard this as a kid, and I guess I need to research it some more, and if anybody's watching can chime in on this, but there was something about the schoolmaster wasn't allowed to go into school, but allowed to bring the kid to school. Hmm. And, and into a relation of Jesus, you don't need the law anymore. Not that you're not going to do the things that the law says, but understanding who Jesus is and what our relationship with him, we're already going to, um, you know, love our neighbor enough to not mistreat them. You know, we're already going to love God enough not to to abandon him. Like you look at the story of Joseph when he was with Potiphar's wife, he he didn't say uh, when she she asked him to lie down with him with her. She he didn't say to her, "Hey, I don't want to do that because I get in trouble." Right. The first thing he said was, "I don't want to dishonor God." Yeah. And like that, that is because of the, the, the right relationship he had with the Lord. And if we have that relationship, we just don't, we don't want to, we don't want to mess that relationship up. And we're talking about a pagan marriage too. Yeah. I mean, they, what do they know? What do the Egyptians know of marriage? And it's not even the sanctified kind of marriage, but the whole thing is, is when Jesus or when Joseph says, how could I dishonor my God? He's like, it was God's intention that marriage is a picture. Right. And by me dishonoring that, I'm I'm breaking what God is trying to demonstrate to you. Absolutely. So he's the, the Lord of the Sabbath. And so he he's just basically saying, I'm God. So if we did like a question thing, right? Like we just put it out there. So tell me something. <laughs> what what is what is something legalistic? Something that you feel like you have to do <laughs> to establish relationship with God. Go ahead and put it in the comments. Like, tell everybody the muck you're dealing with. Right, right. I, I tell you what, one thing is. <laughs> well, when I get up in the morning, you know, if I if I don't say uh, "Good morning, Jesus" three times, I just feel like I'm going to have a bad day. Well, I've I've actually I've actually <laughs> been in church where uh, someone said a closing prayer, mm -hmm. and uh, or. Well, a guy had a prayer in the middle of service, and at the end of service, he goes forward at the invitation, and he wants to confess to the church, I just want to repent because I didn't say, in Jesus' name, amen, at the end of my prayer. He was like, he was like, you know, shook by that. He's like, being serious, right? He was very serious, like, yeah. because so many times we, we've got to the nth degree on the law and missed the whole relationship. And that's what I love about the story of Thomas when he said, my Lord, my God, he got a relationship. You know, when you know Jesus and, and there's a reality that sets in, he, he is your Lord, right? He is your God, your King, not, not someone else's. Like the Old Testament was the God of Abraham and Jacob and Isaac, you know, and um, which Stephen Furtick had an interesting take on the idea of that the, Abra the God of Jacob because he was called Israel later when he wrestled with God. But so before he wrestled with God, you know, he was still his God. I, I thought that was, I mean, that's going too far, but it's really powerful. Yeah, you know no, I mean? it's not. It's, it's not, in my opinion, it's not going too far. Like, how cool is that? It's like not just Israel, when he's named later after he truly got it, he was, no, you're God, Jacob, too. He's, so he's got my, <laughs> he's the God of Paul and Saul. There was a message that was preached by 
a man named Dwight Kaufman, which Dwight may be watching. He's an evangelist out of, out of Liberty, Kentucky. He lives on Button Knob Road in Liberty, Kentucky. Awesome. I love it, man, because you know me. I'm but now all Facebook knows where he lives. So. Right? <laughs> he doesn't live there anymore. Okay. Maybe. Um, <laughs> anyhow, I just love it. Button Knob Road in Liberty, Kentucky. Um, contact Brother Dwight. Send him a charitable donation. <laughs> uh, we'll put the link right here for his PayPal. Just kidding. But he talked about it. The title of the message was... God is not in the bargain striking business. Okay. And he, and I know you, you scared up a rabbit, man. And I'm just like, whoa. We got like a whole chapter to go. go I know. But when he talked about that, he talked about that night when God appears to Jacob, right. when Jacob is fleeing across the river, running from Esau, God appears to Jacob and makes his promises to Jacob. Jacob has just received the blessing. Right. God is a God of his promises. And see, this is, I mean, like, I'm serious. You guys have no idea how hype I am right now. Right. Because we want to think that God is the God of our promises. Mm. Come on now. Right. We want to think that God is the God who rewards me. But this is going to go straight into the covenant is a covenant between God the Father and God the Son in which we are the exchange right it's it's all in christ and when god comes to us and he makes his promise to us the rest of it is the outworking of that and so jacob comes to a place where his name is changed to israel after his wrestling with god but it's because of the anchor of god's promise jacob had nothing this much less than to offer to God when God shows up to him and he says, I will be your God. I will take you into this land. I will do these things to you. I will bless you and I will bring you back. And then Jacob's like, okay, God, if you do, and he just should have stopped right there. If, if you do. And I see the same thing here. God is the God of his promises. And I think that's what Jesus is yeah. trying to get across to them. He is the, he is the God of promises. And all of these things are for the good to us, and we try to pollute them by making them bad. Yeah, they they, they worship the law rather than the lawmaker. Yes. And and sometimes people can worship the church and the, the way that we do church rather than the one who created the church. We do that denominationally. I mean, mm -hmm. anything you and I have seen, I mean, just pick up the example. Um, it's the hymnal. It's the color of the wallpaper and I'm trying to pick silly things but sometimes it's really strong things that we're really bound to and every now and then I think about the fact that Nicodemus he's in this story and I wonder if Nicodemus isn't in on part of this mm -hmm. you have to remember that not all the Pharisees um, some of them were confused at what they were seeing but not all of them were part of the conspiracy. Right. Many side of them of the Pharisees. came to become disciples of Jesus. Absolutely. So Paul, which is called Saul. Yes. We have Nicodemus. And the proof of that is that he buried the body of Jesus instead of, you know. So, I mean, it's just. All right. So, uh, that that first section is that he is the, the Lord of the Sabbath. Now, so we have can meet our time restraints. Um, moving on. Verse 15. Look at it. It's 1125. I got 35 minutes to get through the rest of this. Okay. Aware of this, Jesus withdrew from that place. So he's aware of their threats and their plotting. Many followed him and he healed their sick. 
warning them not to tell who he was. He had some preaching to do still. Uh, this was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. Another fulfill. Right. Here is my servant, whom I have chosen, the one I love and whom I delight. That sounds familiar, right, from his baptism. Almost. I'll put my spirit <laughs> on him, and he will proclaim justice to the nations. He will not quarrel or cry out. No one will hear his voice in um, in the streets. Bruised reed, he will not, as a bruised reed, he will not break. Uh, a smoldering wick will not snuff out till he leads justice to victory. In in his name, the wow. nations will put their hope. And so he that's the little transition transition here to say that he is he is God's servant. You know, like he is he is the chosen one, the anointed one. He's like Matthew's trying to be like, see, I told you he's the king in this kingdom and, and he's fulfilling the law. See, I told you, um, what I told you is what he's doing. And, and uh, then he goes, this transitions to the next prop, prop, uh, point. Then they brought him a demon-possessed man who was blind and mute, and Jesus healed him so that he could both talk and see. Mm-hmm. And the people were astonished and said, could this be the son of David? Like, okay, could this be? But when the Pharisees heard this, they said, it's only by Beelzebub, the prince of demons, that uh, that this fellow drives out demons. That's just weird. He's like, so, that's, that's like saying he's he's a demon and he's not even good at it. He's getting rid of them. <laughs> you know? And Jesus knew their thoughts. I love that. They didn't say this. They thought to themselves. And Jesus knew their thoughts and said to them, Every kingdom divided against itself will be ruined, and every city or household divided against itself will not stand. If Satan drives out Satan, he is divided against himself. How then can his kingdom stand? And if I drive out demons by Beelzebub, by whom do your people drive them out? So then uh, they will be your judges. But if I drive out demons by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon Hello. you. God's reign is on you. If I drive out demons uh, in, in by the name of God. Or again, how can anyone enter a strong man's house and carry off his possessions unless he, he first ties up the strong man and then he can rob his house? Like, you know, you, you ever seen the movie Tank with, um, with James Gardner? Mm-hmm. So in this movie, Tank, James Gardner is trying to save his daughter, I believe, and so he steals a tank from the the, the army base and drives it to go and, and do something. So he's hiding in this one house, and, and all these corrupt police are trying to, to get him, and he's inside, and they're about to burn this old man's house down, and I'll just never forget this phrase. He's like, you can burn my house, but I'm going to take a few of you with me. He said, wow. I was like, so it's like the strong man. You can't go in a strong man's house and just expect him to go, oh, yeah, uh, the good stuff is in the closet under the, you know, you're right. not going to do that because, by the way, I don't have any good stuff, so don't worry about it. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it's like, but you come to my house and you want to take all my stuff, I'm going to stop you. I'm a strong man. You know what I'm saying? That's, that, that, that's, that's kind of what he's saying, but. Then he says, um, he who is not with me is against me. And he who does not gather with me scatters. And so I'll tell you, every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven men, but the blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven. 
And so we get to this little question. It's like, what's the unforgivable sin? Most people have it as divorce, adultery, murder, you know, those kind of things. Like, oh, it shouldn't be forgiven. Now, listen, the unforgivable sin is saying that what Jesus did came from the devil. Mm-hmm. Like, I grew up thinking, oh, I hope I don't do that accidentally. Right. So this is not just lip service. This is not saying something, you know. I've had young people come to me and say that, that, you know, at one point they were angry and they intentionally said X and so cuss word, Holy Spirit, because they were so mad at God, they wanted to be damned forever. And now they think that they've got, you know, this whole thing linked up where they can never... You know, I, I know I can't be saved, and I'm just like, yeah, it's you it's can't the do same. It. Th- we're talking, we're still talking about the same thing, right? That that Jesus was how we look at something that was created for us, and we turn that against us. So here's what Warren Wiersbe says are like the evidences of what what that sin is, that unpardonable sin. It's the sin of the heart and not the lips. The words from the lips are the evidence of the condition of the heart. The evil words indicate the evil heart. It says, but it is sin committed in the light of great evidence. So he's saying their sin, this sin that he's talking about is the Pharisees witnessing him healing and saying that's the devil. And then he said, it is uh, the sinful sin of willful, persistent unbelief and final rejection of Jesus Christ. It's like, if you reject Jesus, there is no hope. So it's not this one little oops. So he says, adultery is not unpardonable, nor is murder. And I didn't read this part before I said all that. So Warren Wiersbe makes me look good here. But when a person persists in rejecting Christ and comes to the place where his heart is so calloused, he has no concern for his eternal destiny, then for him it's too late. Is he going into Romans? I mean, if he's not, he's missing a good chance. No, he's not. <laughs> I mean, Jesus is preaching John the Baptist's message here. He calls the Pharisees a generation of vipers because they were children of that old servant, the devil. They had a form of godliness, but they did not know God. Like Satan, they were imitators of true godliness. They weren't. I mean, it, it was. They were posers. They were. They were. They were. And I like what he says here. His final argument We're is, back to that whole thing, right? Remember the poser king? Yes. And the poser Pharisees who weren't even really... Yeah, they, yeah. they bought their way into being in leadership because during the Maccabean period that, that things kind of changed. We have this new thing. Which is the same way we got King Herod right. on the throne. So he's, he's basically saying... All posers. He could never cast out demons unless he first overcome their leader, Satan. Oh, you're going to do it, ain't you? Yes. Yes, come on. This Which is good. He did in chapter if, 4. If y'all fell asleep, right, this is wake where you back wake up. up. So this, this is good. So here's here's the here's the powerful thing. It says that in chapter four, Jesus resisted the devil for forty days, just toe to toe with Satan himself, overpowered him, showed him he had no power over Jesus, and from yes. that moment on, the demons trembled. Man, I, I go to the upper room. Jesus says, you know, that Satan is coming, but he's got nothing in me. He's got no hook, no claim. Right. No nothing. I just woo. even told Peter that Jesus wasn't powerful enough to do anything. He asked him. He asked permission to sift him like wheat. Mm-hmm. 
but he had no power anymore. Sounds like Job. Well, <laughs> all right. So, uh, the, the the yeah, Job. He came to to ask about him. But here here's what he's saying. Listen, he overthrew Satan by overpowering his temptation, and so every demon from that moment on, they were all afraid of him. When he went to the one where they had a legion of demons, they were like, um, yeah, are you going to torture us? What are you going to do? Tell us, send us, say to us, just say the word, we'll do what you say. Because they already knew that they're, that, you know, Jesus came to, to defeat Satan, and that's what he did over and over and over and over again. Yeah, so there's no fighting a thousand small battles. No. Because he climbed the ladder. Yeah. He went straight to the top. That's right. So he said, um, anyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven, but anyone who speaks against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven, either in his, this age or the age to come. Make a tree, and its fruit will be good. Make a tree bad, and its fruit will be bad. For the tree is recognized by its fruit. You brood of vipers, how can you who are evil say anything good? For out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. The good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him, and the evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. But I tell you, the men who um, have to give account on the day of judgment for every careless word they have spoken, for by your words you'll be acquitted, and by your words you'll be condemned. And then he goes on, and then some of the Pharisees and teachers of the law said to him, Teacher, we want to see a miraculous sign from you. Interesting transition. When he just got done saying, If you say that my miraculous signs are from the devil, then you're blaspheming the Holy Spirit, and that's an unpardonable sin. And they're like, Okay, so let's see something from you then. Isn't that interesting? Was it, is it is they just saw something. I mean, I'm looking at this like, yeah, do it again. Like it's like a little three-year-old when you lift them up way above your head, and then you uh, act like you drop them and you catch them. They scream, and then they go, "Do it again!" Right? They're like, "This is weird. I'm scared." But do it again. Do it again. They put them down, and they go, oh, "Put their hands up. Do it again." Yeah, so, and I almost wonder if this isn't like, are they being for real, or are they tempting him? To, to set him up. I mean, it, it doesn't necessarily say, but I'm just like, he just did it. Like, he literally just did it. Yeah. And then they're like, so we want to see a sign. He's like, <laughs> you're not looking? Here, here's... But I did, I did want to just go back to one thing real okay. quickly, and I'm not going to develop it, but this whole conversation for me, so I know last week I said that when we talk, like when a person is, is struggling with faith in Christ, right, I go to John 3. When we're struggling with unity amongst Christian believers, mm -hmm. I go to relationships between Jesus and John the Baptist and that sort of a thing. Mm -hmm. So that was the breakdown in that. But in this blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, I think is answered so clearly. This is the object lesson between Jesus and the Pharisees. If you want to hear the conversation between Jesus and a Pharisee, you go to John chapter 3. Because Jesus basically explains the same or the same thing to Nicodemus in a one-on-one -on -one conversation than he has with him when he says, "You're condemned already." Mm. And that's mm. and so you start drawing that parallel. He said, "That's why bad fruit comes out of bad trees because you're condemned already." And the Holy Spirit is not going to blaspheme itself. But when he talks about to Nicodemus about 
those who are born of the Spirit, right? Um, and so be, when you're born of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit is not going to speak against the Spirit, is not going to speak against the Son, is not going to speak against the Father. But the reason why it's the unpardonable sin is because the flesh is condemned already. Right, and that that brings us all the way to what John says in in uh, in his letters, right? He's saying, listen, if you want to know, um, test the spirits, right? They're going to say that Jesus rose from the dead. They're absolutely going to confess it. They're, they're going to they're going to confirm the things that have been done. They won't say that they didn't happen. And so um, he's like, listen. They're like, you want to see something? And here's his answer. This is pretty cool. He answered, a wicked and adulterous generation asked yes. for miraculous signs. Ouch. Mm-hmm. Like, he's saying, like, you're, you're refusing to believe, but even if you saw it, you wouldn't believe. Like, that whole conversation in Luke where, um, where he tells the, the story or the parable of the rich man and Lazarus, and he's like, the rich man's like, send me back. And he's like, it won't work. Even if you went back, they're not going to change. They already have everything. And so, um, he's I like, just like to see a parody done of this, you know, where they're like, show us a sign. And the guy with the withered hand goes, uh, question. <laughs> he's like, <laughs> stick a hand in there. <laughs> yeah. So I lift my hands up. I showed you a sign. I raise a hallelujah. Yeah, he's going to raise a hallelujah. He's going to raise his hand and a hallelujah, right? All right, here we go. A wicked adulterous generation asked for a miraculous sign, but no one will be given it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For the Jonah was, was three days and three nights in the belly of a huge fish. For the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh will stand up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it, for they repented at the preaching of Jonah. Here are Gentiles who repented. And he's like, yeah, even the Gentiles are better than you guys. Yep. Because you don't even want a relationship with God. You want a title and power. That's what they wanted. And, you know, like, they, 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 didn't, they didn't want anything to change. And um, So what's going to happen? I see two greater thans. First, he says, greater than the temple is here. Yes. And when was that instituted? Under the law. It came with the law. Yeah. And what is Jonah? He's a prophet. So Jesus is basically claiming greater than the law and greater than the prophets is amongst you. I am the Lord of the Sabbath. Yeah, because he's is now, and now one greater than Do Jonah. Did we read that part yet? Oh, we didn't yeah. read that part yet. Greater, we're about to read it. <laughs> Sorry. Greater than, than the Sabbath, right, mm-hmm. is here. Now one who's greater than Jonah is here. Uh, the queen of the south will rise at the judgment with this generation and condemn it, for she came from the ends of the earth to listen to Solomon's wisdom, and now one greater than Solomon is here. He's like, look, I, I'm going to die and come out of the earth. Jonah only went into a, a yeah. big fish and came out. I'm the wisest one because I'm the one that gives him the words. I'm greater than Solomon. I'm greater than the law itself because I am the creator of the law. And it says, when an evil spirit comes out of a man, it goes through, uh, goes a, a, a rid places seeking rest and does not find it. Then it says, I'll return to the house I left when it arrives 
It finds a house unoccupied and then swept clean and put in order. And then it goes in and takes with it seven other spirits more wicked than itself. And they go in and live there. And the final condition of the man is worse than the first. That is how it will be with this wicked generation. And I, I think this is interesting here. How easy, easy to uh, see? Um, okay. How easy is it to re-reform and then join a church and live respectably without Jesus Christ dwelling in someone's heart? This false righteousness will only last for a time. Then Satan will get a hold of that empty life and ruin it. Yeah. Like... How he, uh, like, when, and here, here's a man who got it, though, Matthew, because if we look in Luke's um, account of the calling of Levi, which we know is Matthew who wrote this book, it says that he left everything, got up, and followed him in that order. Like, he knew what it means, meant to leave a life and then get up and follow him. Like, he knew it started in a heart. Yeah. How many people are, say they're following Jesus, but they haven't left anything? No. As a matter of fact, a lot of people are following Jesus, hoping for the opposite. Right. Well, you know, like fake it till you make it kind of thing. Did I just step in something? I mean, come on. Like, is 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 our relationship? <laughs> I'm moving with God? down the church because I need a blessing in my life. I need a, and it, listen, I'm not. I'm not saying God doesn't do any of that. Most certainly, He does. Yes, true. But I will say that our service to God is is not it's it, again we're right back to that whole thing where you were talking about blessed are you compared right. to the uh-huh. woe yeah the woes of the rich and the and we come well-fed. to Jesus looking to gain right. the woes mm-hmm. we come to Jesus like like he's saying right here you are looking for the very thing that is opposite of me because he called Matthew away from mm-hmm. his riches away from his position away from his life but we want to go to God seeking the answers on how we can get possession and how we can right. get position. And how, and he's like, you don't understand. I mean, there, there are three rules to understanding the scripture. And I mean, they're really easy. Yes. The first Tell one us. is context. I remember that one. The second one is context. But, yeah, I'm still working on that one. And the third is context. I was unaware. The fourth one, <laughs> the fourth one would be... If ever confused, refer to rules one through three. Exactly. Yes. So, like, yes. he's like the context. Same as real estate. Right. Location, location, location. location. And, and that's what context means is where is it at in the story? Yeah. And he's like, he's preaching to them about this, this, this freedom from the shackles that they put on themselves and other people through the law. Yeah. Through politics. Mm-hmm. Through. Because they basically convinced themselves that it doesn't matter who they are, what they think, and what you know where their faith really is, because they're they're lacking faith in God. They're only trusting rules. Yeah, and he's like, it's not gonna work. It, it's not gonna work. He said, I'm greater than that. Yes, and 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 he said, people come after me, you're gonna do even greater things, because they're gonna be following mm-hmm. me, trusting me, and they haven't even met me. Because they're going to have faith, and then and that faith is going to transform them. See, the, the whole idea is the Lord. It's like, until Romans tells us, you don't accept Jesus as Lord, you won't be saved. Why? Because you could do all the right things, but never make him the Lord of your life, and you're lost. 
And, and, then, and then he wraps it up with this. He says, we have like 12 minutes before I have an appointment, right? Okay. So look at this. While Jesus was still talking to the crowd, his mother and brothers stood outside wanting to speak to him. Someone told him, your mother and brothers are standing outside wanting to speak to you. And he replied, who is my mother? Remember that book? Yes, with the bird. Yeah, <laughs> that terrified me when they showed that tractor with the teeth. Anyway, I'm just, I didn't lie. That was the scariest book I've ever seen. It was just an illustration. Just an illustration. Okay, <laughs> who is my mother and who are my brothers? Pointing to his disciples, he said, Here are my mother and my brothers, for whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my mother and are my brother and sister and mother. He's like, Listen, <laughs> it's not. It's not just whoever called themselves a Pharisee, who got, gained a title, who was born a Jew, who shows up at the temple. He's like, whoever does the will of my father, whoever bears, you know, the, the will of my father, whoever lives it out. That's what this word is, like does. What does that mean, does? It's bears, like holds, contains, lives it, right? And, 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 and it's the will, his, his word and his desires for us, like whoever bears the desires of God, that's the person who is counted as saved. Not just someone who shows up. Like, um, I heard this rhyme when I was a kid, and it's kind of disturbing, but I'll, I'll just, I'll say it anyway. John Brown went to church. He never missed a Sunday. But John Brown died, he went to hell for what he did on Monday. Wow. You know, it's like, is, is your Sunday just a Sunday or is is your Monday through Saturday a reflection of, you know, Sunday should be not I'm getting my boxes checked. Sunday should be a celebration of who I've been living for all week. Absolutely. And, and his point of the, this, this whole section is he is the Lord over us and he's greater than anything else we try to put in his place. I'll tell you something I've never seen before. Is... Well, keep talking because I'm just going to find a marker for the yeah. whiteboard. Go ahead. It's the harmony of the Trinity in this passage. I never saw it before. Right? In Matthew chapter 12, we're going to see um, references to the Son of Man, (laughs) to the work of the Holy Spirit, and to um, the Father. It's all right here in harmony, meaning that we can't separate those. When we bring our lives into observance with God, it will bring into harmony Hmm. the worship of Father, Son, and Spirit. Right. So, and I know that just went like deeply theological. Yeah, yeah. But it's powerful. That's probably not something we'll 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 bring out on a Sunday morning. Um, (laughs) That looked really bad because everything else was capital. Lord of Sabbath. That right on Sabbath, right? Yeah. Okay. So then he is, what's the next little section say? Goodness, I don't know. Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath, um, a man with a withered hand. Okay, let's go with, all right, Lord of Sabbath. I did not. uh, Chosen. Servant. Servant. Okay. It says, uh, blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. A tree is known by its fruit. So what does he tell them during the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit? He is uh, from God. Not from the devil, right? They said, "Can this be the son of David?" Right. Another title. And then those you're looking for his titles. Then he's the sign of the sign of Jonah. Jonah, how do you spell? J O N A H. Sign. Jonah. Oh, 
Sigin. S-I-G-N. Wow, I put too many letters in there. Okay, sign of Jonah. And then and then he's like, <laughs> our brother. Yeah. All right, so. Come on, book of Hebrews. The, 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 this can, is really it. I can mean, you say that? I mean, like this, Absolutely. this is like, and, and, and people are just looking at my belly on, on the screen. So let me uh, turn this up a little bit so you can see what's going on here. So look, if he's Lord of the Sabbath, right? And so that he is greater than the law, yeah. right? And, and he is the cho- chosen servant, right? So he's greater than, than um, the prophets, maybe. He's from God, right? So he is, he's not the Beelzebub. So he's, he's greater than um, Satan. He, he's greater than uh, Solomon. And and Jonah. Um, uh, okay, whatever. And when I think so, of that, I think of politics and religion, right? Because Solomon is a political figure, Ooh. and Jonah is a religious figure. Okay, that's awesome. And then here, our brother, uh, it's it's no longer greater than. He's like, he, he is including us. So it's the inclusion, he, yeah. Inclusion, right? And I don't spell every letter out because uh, my mind's going too fast. I understand. But this is chapter twelve that he, he is, he is, he's here for us. I mean, it, it, yeah. Is it? Did I miss anything? I mean, no, there's so much just, more. You're right. This is it. He's greater than. That, that this is Hebrews in one chapter. Yeah. This really that's what this is. This is Hebrews in one chapter. And, and you can just, and I've already preached Hebrew, so this goes along with stuff I've already preached. But but if we're going to be looking at this, it's like... Did you record that series, by the way? It, it's on, on the book of Hebrews. Right. It, it, it is on, okay. on the it's on, on the, the interwebs. interwebs yeah, thing. on the interwebs. So here, here's the idea, is that um, that he loves us. And he wants to take care of us. Um, that, he, that he came here, so we're talking about him being the chosen one right um that that section here it, it, it is like um <laughs> see uh that he is the one who is greater than the the you know he he is the promised one he's like the 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 prophecy is not greater than the one who came. You know, I mean, like he's like, I'm here, right? I'm here. Um, I'm a servant, right? He's the chosen one. The spirit is on him. He brings justice. That's that's who he is. And then then he's from God. So they're saying, like, you're from Satan. I'm like, you know, no, no, no. I'm greater than Satan. Like, if Satan cast out, cast out Satan, it's like that's stupid. Basically, he's telling me, you're done. You missed it. And then he's like, I'm the sign of Jonah. He's like, I'm greater than Solomon. I'm greater than Jonah. Jonah only overcame a, a fish. I'm overcoming the earth. <laughs> Overcome the world. <gasps> In this world, you have trouble. <laughs> Take heart, because I've overcome the world. And the devil. And the devil. Okay. <laughs> and, the, and, the, and, the, and everything he says wow. wise, right? And, and that makes us, he's our brother, whoever does the will. And and the the in, if you look at the Greek, like John uses the same phrase, right? Whoever bears the desire of God, right? 
And where, wait a minute, what are you talking about? From where? From First John. First John, yeah, exactly. That's that's what I was saying. I was actually, I was searching through quotations in First John right. while you were saying that. So basically in First John where he says, um, you know, they who are born of the Spirit, well, they are the children of God. Yeah, and, but in, in First John, where he, he's talking about sin, right? Uh, he says, which First John talks see, about. Do not so. love the world or anything in the world. And if you go to the Greek, if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For everything in the world, the desires of sinful man, the desire of his eyes, the boasting of who he is, right? Desire of a good name. Yeah. Um, the desire of the flesh uh, comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but the man who bears the desires of God lives forever. If you get down to the, the, the word picture that John is trying to say there, you know, like we, we need to do the will, live the will, desire his, you know, I mean, uh, bear his desires. So like the Old Testament says, if you delight in the Lord, he will give you the desires of your heart. In other words, he'll take out the evil desire, the things that we have, and he'll place in it the good desire, the things that, that we need. So that, my friends, is chapter 12. <laughs> and I did it in the exact time. I have five minutes left to get to my restaurant appointment. Uh-oh. And then do you want to meet after? We can. Um, I'm Possibly, yes. I'll be back before you're done from the All restaurant. Right. Because, yeah. um, so one thing yeah. I wanted to point out when we were talking about yeah. this whole denial thing and mm -hmm. the harmony within the Trinity, and I said that the Holy Spirit cannot force a confession against the Father or Son, and then we come into 1 John, okay. and here is that verse. Um, 22, who is the liar? It is whoever denies that Jesus is the Christ. Such a person is the Antichrist, denying the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever acknowledges the Son has the Father also. But that springs out of verse 20, but you have an anointing from the Holy One. Well. All an unction from the Holy Spirit is the way it was, I think, phrased in the King James. Meaning that there's something inside of you placed by the Spirit that cannot generate these denials of the Father and the Son. That's why the denial of the Spirit is the root of the problem because when you separate yourself from the Spirit, the Spirit cannot do His work, and the work of the Spirit is to produce these confessions to the Father and Son. Mm -hmm. And I know that just like when, I mean, it was like, did we just like Captain Picard, like warp speed through yeah, two galaxies? Yes, awesome. we did that. It's but awesome. my whole point is, it's like, it's so there, like, it's... You got it. It's in there. All right, just like that old sauce. Yeah. It's in there, right? Uh, but good news. It makes for a great podcast, which is, is available on Mana Minutes, behind the scenes, the making of a message. Making That'll of be a series. message, behind the scenes on Mana Minutes. So have a blessed day. If you have any questions, go ahead and put them there. And this afternoon, I'll look at them and, and try to send you private messages and, and answer your questions. Uh, and maybe, you will also be used as an illustration in next week's message. That's right. No. <laughs> what you say can will be held in my sermon. <laughs> Uh, oh, yeah, I got it. That was Whoa. so much fun. Okay, it I know you're so still alive, so. Yeah. In three, two, one. I'm coming, live feed. <laughs> <laughs>